0: Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Nicole. Brilliant as always and looking beautiful as always. Oh, something's fallen out. Oh, random picture. Okay, it's all good. Hello, C3. Quinsbury. It's great to be with you. And you're all feeling very close this morning compared to last Sunday when I was at Hepburn Heights. And I can actually see your faces, which is just really lovely. So it's great to be with you this morning. And as you can see on the screen behind me, we've, we've called today's message, The Jesus Effect because we're looking at uh, some interactions that Jesus had with people in his earthly life and what we can learn about the way that Jesus related to people that can help us in our relationships today. And so I'm talking about the key relationship principle of kindness. And uh, uh, we need Jesus at the center, right? We need Jesus at the center to be able to foster healthy and vibrant, godly relationships. And, And why? Well, have you noticed that life can be a little bit hectic and busy? Uh, Have you ever felt like the world is falling in on you as you attempt to manage the various things that require your attention? Do you have long to-do lists, deadlines to make? Uh, Do you sometimes feel overloaded by the needs uh, and demands even in your relationships? And so we can easily get caught up in the hustle and bustle of everyday life or even use it as an excuse uh, that we neglect to respond in our relationships and our interactions with others with a spirit of kindness. Kindness. Kindness is a key principle in the kingdom of God. It's a part of His nature. Uh, Galatians 5 uh, tells us that, that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is patient, love is kind. Uh, Paul instructs us to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and so on. It's clearly it's God's desire for us to show kindness in our relationships, marriages, friendships, our next door neighbour, uh, our boss, our co-worker, on and so forth. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you today that despite busyness, despite the needs of a crushing crowd, Jesus chose to show the kindness of God. And so we're going to turn right now to Mark chapter 5. We see that Jesus has had a a very long day really. Uh, In the previous chapter, He's calmed the storm. Uh, And now in chapter 5, He's crossed the Sea of Galilee. He's ministered to a demon-possessed man, done a few other things while he's there, traveled back across the Sea of Galilee to be met by a synagogue leader named Jairus who is pleased With Jesus, please come and help me. My little girl is dying. And so now we find that Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jairus' house, picking up from verse 24 here. So Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So can you imagine you've had a really long day at work and you come back to your house, you drive home to your house and there's a whole crowd, a big crowd waiting for you at the front door. You get out of the car and there's all these people just on you all at once, demanding your time, demanding your attention. That's what's happening for Jesus here. Do you feel kind? Are you just feeling, imagine if you're in that situation, you're feeling the kindness of God just welling up inside of you. I'm tired just reading this. I'm tired thinking about what Jesus is going through here. But listen to what happens next. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors And had spent all she had Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse When she heard about Jesus, she came up in the crowd and touched his cloak Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed Immediately, her bleeding stopped And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering And at once, Jesus realised that power had gone out from him He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And so Jesus is on his way to the deathbed of a dying girl. And yet he turns around and asks, who touched my clothes? In this huge crowd of people, Jesus looks for one person. Uh, He could have thought, great. I've felt power has gone out of me. Someone's been healed and kept making his way to Jairus' house. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he stops. He's responding here with a spirit of kindness. And he's turning to attend to that person, this woman who's touched him, because he's focused on where he is in the moment. Kindness is interruptible. Kindness is interruptible. Kindness is alert to the here and now moments. And fostering healthy and vibrant relationships requires us to pay attention to what's happening right now in front of us. And so when we're at the dinner table with our family, we're having a conversation with our spouse, we're taking our kids to school or in the staff room at work and any other number of things, when we're at the table at a cafe with our friend, how many of us, and I'm even guilty of this, have our phones on the table? Why? I mean, really, we we can't put our phone in our pocket or in our bag for one hour, maybe more, to really engage and pay attention to that person in front of us maybe you need to hear it. Perhaps I do too. Put your phone away. Put your phone away and engage with who's in front of you. And perhaps that's a small step we can take in the kindness of God today. We can become so focused, can't we, on the to-do lists for the day, where we're going, what we want to achieve, how many likes our latest Instagram post has, that we miss what's happening right in front of us. We're we're not attentive to the the present need because we're distracted by where we want to get to or what's happening in the world around us. And because of this, we're neglecting to show kindness right where we're are. And it seems very basic, right? Well, who knows that that kindness begins in the basics, and we can very easily stuff up the basics, right, as Christians. And so maybe uh, this is where we need to get back to, is the basics, and putting away our phone, uh, looking at a person who's, who's talking to us, or stopping a task to actually look at them, if they're chatting to us, or or just limiting distractions around us to concentrate on the person that God has called us to serve and look after. Every day you have opportunities, I have opportunities to respond with a spirit of kindness we're going to miss it if we get caught up in the busyness of of what we're doing. The woman who touched Jesus' cloak, uh, it was a divine interruption. And, and, And that's what God gives us, divine interruptions. And Jesus took the opportunity to extend the kindness of God. Why? Because Jesus knew that this woman needed more than the touch of the dirty hem of his cloak. Jesus knew that this woman needed a touch of God's kindness. Our relationships need a touch of the kindness of God. And guess what? He wants to use you to impart that to their lives because you're the difference. You are the difference. People don't need a random act of kindness. People need specific and intentional acts of God's kindness. There's the power to bring transformation and change the direction of someone's day, maybe even their life. That cannot happen any outside of the power of God, right? And so kindness, when it's motivated by the Spirit of God, makes a difference. Kindness is interruptible. It's interruptible, but it also listens, Kindness listens. And so Mark implies here in, in, in verse 31 that the disciples are a bit agitated by Jesus' attempts to find the woman. Verse 31 You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? You can almost hear, right, the impatience as they're saying this. And as I was reading this, I thought, Oh man, I can hear myself in this dialogue. I'm that task person. I'm looking ahead. I'm saying to Jesus, Really, Like, we need to get to this, this girl who's dying. Like, what are you, who cares who you touched you? Like, let's get going. I feel like that would be me. I'd be this person. And I love that, just me? Just me? Okay, great. Uh, and so I, I, what I love here is that Jesus just ignores them and he keeps looking for the person and eventually she approaches. Verse 33, it says, And trembling with fear told him the whole truth. So the implication is she thought she'd be reprimanded for touching his cloak for thinking she's worthy enough of touching his cloak and now maybe for verbalizing what's happened for so actually being bold enough to come up to him and, and but something here about Jesus approach his the kindness that she surely felt broke down her defenses and she felt safe enough to share Her story, And I doubt this was a quick five-minute download. She'd been suffering for 12 years. So I don't think it was a particularly quick conversation, but Jesus gives us space. He takes the time to listen to her whole truth, not just part of the truth, the whole truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. But here's the thing. It started with Jesus turning around and asking the question, who touched my clothes? Are we willing to turn around? Am I willing to turn around from our task as noble or as right as it may be? Mission in order to show the kindness of God? Are are we willing to give space to listen uh, to our spouse, our children, our co worker, boss, neighbor, friend, uh, not to try to fix something or get our point across, but just to hear their story? Are we willing to look beyond the surface level to see the deeper needs in our relationships? And so to show God's kindness and actively listen in our relationships takes time, takes effort, and energy. I know, you're all thinking, oh, really? Some mornings I wake up, I don't naturally feel the kindness of God. I don't think, oh, I just feel so kind today. I'm just really feeling the God's kindness, you know, welling up inside of me. Some days I don't, I don't feel that way, and I don't always want to t- hear people's problems. I'm a school chaplain. That's a bit of an issue. I don't want to listen to people's problems. I don't want to hear Fred tell me about his friendship issue for the 50th time. I don't want to he, uh, he listen to the, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, that some children are going through, because I know that's going to take a lot out of me to engage in that conversation and maybe have to take action. I don't always naturally feel like it, but I need to rise above my feelings. And so do we, right? And sometimes when I get to that place, and maybe you do too, it's because we're trying to be kind in our own ability and our own strength. And that's where we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge, you know what, Jesus, I need you May a spirit of kindness flow through me today. Help me to see with your eyes. Help me to respond with kindness as I listen better and, and not be governed by my emotions, but rise above them and see people as you do. Listening intently in your relationships as people share their stories with you is probably one of the most empowering things you can do for another person. Might, be, might take more time you'd like, than you would like and it might even be a bit inconvenient. Are we willing? Are we willing... The woman with the issue of blood experienced instant healing when she touched Jesus' cloak. But by sharing the story with Jesus, surely more freedom was released in her life. Uh, imagine if Jesus hadn't turned around. She would have experienced physical healing. What about emotionally? What about spiritually? By by, by coming to this woman and, and taking the time to listen to her, He's a, he's affirming her faith and He's speaking to her true identity. And so that's kindness. He's not only looking for her, He's listening to her. He's letting her share what's going on. Which relationships in your world do you need to give more time to this week to listen better, and what distractions you need to limit to make sure you can engage in that with the best of who you are—not a part of you, but all of you. Kindness listens. Kindness also speaks life. Kindness speaks life. Now, after the woman shared a story, Jesus could have said, "That's awesome. I got to go. I got a little girl. I got to get to it. disciples are not very happy with me. Catch you later." He doesn't. <laughs> he takes more time here to, to minister to her. I love that. Jesus always has time, doesn't he? He's got time for us. I just find that amazing. Verse 34 daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from his suffering. From your suffering. Because Jesus was operating out of the spirit of kindness, he takes time to minister to her. And here he's really restoring her dignity. Jesus restores dignity to people. No one else can do The world can't do that. Only Jesus can restore your dignity, right? And so before this, she's the woman with the issue of blood. And now she's a daughter of the living God. And so Jesus is speaking to her true identity, and he wants to speak to yours today as well. Do you know that a kind response can disarm fear, shame, and insecurity? And it can also be a catalyst for restoration. This week, I've been reflecting on times in my life where I was a recipient of God's kindness. And I, I was overwhelmed thinking about it, actually, all the times that God's shown His kindness to me. But I, I recalled a, a, a lady. Uh, a lady came to my mind who I went to see for counselling when I was about 20 years old. Uh, she was a Christian lady. And I remember her, and she came to my mind because I received the kindness of God through her ministry. <laughs> and one particular time, she gave me a scripture that she felt God had for me, Joel two twenty five. And I will repay you or restore, it says in tra- tr- some translations, for the years the locusts have eaten. And I remember her praying that scripture over me. And declaring that verse over my life, and I still have it here on this piece of paper. Uh, I've written a couple other things on there since then, but Joel 2:25, there it is. She wrote that down for me, and over the past 12 years, you know that verse has come back to me time and time again, where God has used it to continue to bring revelation and, and impact my life. And so, isn't that amazing? Uh, you know, the the kindness of God, I'm telling you this because I want you to understand that the kindness of God in our relationships doesn't have to be this big, loud, over-the-top, excessive, expensive display to someone. It can be as simple as a a verse written on a piece of paper that can bring transformation to someone's life. It could be a a handwritten note. It could be a a thoughtful gift, an offer of prayer, an arm around the shoulder. You know, there's so many ways in which we can show the kindness of God, quality time, a calm response to a hurting soul. Uh, Just a quick tip here: Uh, If someone comes to you and they say they're talking to you, and they say something like, "You know, I've been feeling pretty stressed lately," don't say, "What do you have to be stressed about it?" That's not a kind response. (laughs) It's not a kind response, and you're laughing, but it happened recently. Uh, Someone came and shared that with me, and uh, I was really impacted by that. I thought, "Wow, that is not." how we want to be, right? God's kindness validates and affirms people that they are more than what they are going through. It speaks to their value as a human being. And so that's what Jesus did for this woman. And you know what? Uh, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have supernatural life on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit empowers you to speak life because of, of what He's done for you. And the words of truth, uh, you are able to speak that into your relationships Kind. Words can ooze out of you because of the power of Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of you. Don't, I, I, some of you, I feel like I'm thinking, oh, it's not me. I can't do it. Are you saying that God is not powerful enough? Are you saying that His Holy Spirit isn't strong enough in you? That's, that's crazy. It's the same spirit that lives in me that lives in you. You have the ability and the power and the Holy Spirit to spread kindness. When you intentionally speak words of encouragement, it's pretty hard to be unkind. And so, kindness speaks life because Jesus is life and his power is in you to enable you to do the same as he did here on this earth. I'd love the band to just come up now, please, to us. I just finish up here and pass over to Tom in a moment, who I know has also got a. A really powerful word for us, and and so in the coming week, what does speaking life look like in your marriage, with your children, uh, with your coworker or your next door neighbor, the person you sit next to at school or university, perhaps even a stranger on the train or the bus? What does it look like to speak life? Uh, is it being specific in your encouragement? Is it sharing why you're grateful for that person? Is it saying, "Hey, is there anything I can do to help you lighten your load this week"? is it asking the question, are you really okay? Uh, I, did, I asked that question of someone recently at school, and I, in response to that, I had wrote them a note and gave them a little gift, and I went in there to the same classroom this week, and I saw that note, they'd stuck it up on their wall above their desk, and I didn't think much of it at the time when I wrote it, but it's, it's the kindness of God. It's nothing to do with me. It's God's kindness, hopefully bringing change and influence to that person who now is reading that note when they go into work every day, and so is it asking the question, are you really okay, and and giving that space and time to listen. I'm believing over the next week and even the next month that as we respond with God's kindness, the way that Jesus did on this earth, that we're going to see our relationships flourish, be strengthened. And I'm believing even in some cases restored. I think there's some of you here today where you're, you're really hoping for restoration in some relationships. You know what? Jesus can make a way. And perhaps it's going to take you stepping out uh, with a small act of kindness in order to kind of be the catalyst for that restoration. Uh, and so I'm believing this week that the atmosphere of your home, your workplace, wherever you go, is going to be different as you bring God's kindness into the atmosphere, as you, as you bring that Spirit of God that can bring transformation to people's lives. I'm believing for greater influence in your relationships for those who don't know Jesus as you, as you share God's kindness with them. And so right now, I invite you to stand because we're going to worship our amazing God and And talk about the fact and sing about the fact that he's worthy of it all, and he certainly is. Thank you, Band.
0: Well, thank you for having me this morning, C three Quinn's Beach. Um, As they said, my name's Tom from C3 Hepburn Heights, and I've also got Ben and Phil with me today. They're on my young adults team, um, and these guys are, are awesome, so I wanted to bring them along. Um... And before I go any further, I, I mean, thank you for having me today. I can't go any further without recognizing and honoring that you two, uh, you guys have two of the most incredible pastors leading you guys as a location. Pastor Nicole, and unfortunately, Pastor Steve can't be here this morning because he's unwell, but you guys um, deserve honor. You deserve praise. these guys have fought and forged and prayed their way into this community to establish God's kingdom on earth, not just in the natural, but the supernatural. And you guys together are taking ground, are taking territory in this place to see God's love and kindness go out to this community and bless this area. So can we give it up for Pastor Nicole? Pastor Steve? Come on. The Jesus effect... Jesus effect. Jesus tends to have an effect on us. It's a good thing that he does. If he, if, if he doesn't, maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Jesus tends to have an effect on us. And a good indicator of growth as a disciple is that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a, good, it's a signpost in our road of discipleship that we're slowly, maybe step by step, maybe retrospectively, you can look back and recognize the person you were to now looking at the person that you are. And you should be more and more like Jesus. And Jesus' words can and should have an impact on us. You know, they should affect us deeply. They should cause conviction and a change in the way that we live. And we need to watch and listen and and spend time with His Word to tune our hearts into His way, not into our way or into the world's way. And this Jesus effect inevitably is going to flow through us as people who follow Him into our relationships. It's going to allow His life to flow through us, His kindness to flow through us, His grace to flow through us to the people around us so that they can see more of who He is in us as we are His ambassadors on this earth. We represent who Jesus is in Queens Beach into this primary school that we're in right now. We can represent the heart of who Jesus is in the way that we choose to love and give life to others. Isn't that awesome? I heard a quote in a a, a podcast, John Tyson said, Um, blessing. We're called called to bring blessing as Christians and blessing is uh, projecting goodness into the lives of others. Isn't that awesome? That we're called to be a blessing to our communities and I'm talking about the effect that Jesus has on us in judging others in the way that he calls us to not judge others. (laughs) But we all love a bit of a judge sometimes. Can we just admit it? Because sometimes we love a bit of a judge. Sometimes gossip is fun. You know, spill the tea. It's what it is. But it's why we love reality TV. It's, can we admit? Does anyone watch? Um, I've, I've been watching The Block. My wife and I have been watching The Block uh, the past couple of years. Anyone watch any at Survivor? Big Survivor fans on the front row? This is Survivor Church. Do we have uh, any uh, Married at First Sight Master Chef, Master Chef, great. I don't know. I don't know the other ones. I'll be honest. Um, you know, watching free-to-air TV—it's a whole. It's like going back in time, but we're we're here. We've been watching the block, and. The block just feels like it gets a bit worse every year. <laughs> Do I to say that? I've only been watching it three years, but every year it tends, to, the content becomes a bit more about drama and a little bit less about building a house. And so <laughs> it just gets a bit worse, but you still watch it. Because you just love to look at what other people do that you don't know in extremely high pressure situations, making wild creative decisions on a national platform broadcasted to people in their homes. And we sit back on our couch and this goes, what are these guys doing? Why would they do that? These guys are idiots. Why would they? That's not going to date well. Why would you put a fur rug wall in a house? I don't know what they do. They do different things. They just try and do wild things to impress people. You know, And we can, we can sit back with nothing to lose on our couch and cast judgment on those people. Even the judges, let's be honest, the judges come in and they give their reviews and we go, this is rigged. Like, this is, doesn't make any sense. These people have no idea what they're talking about. Shane and Blaze, get it together. But they're professional interior designers. <laughs> they literally know what they're talking about. But it's easy to pass judgment when you've got nothing to lose. And all of us at one time or another, in my case, I can know myself a few times, have cast judgments on other people. We've had moments of judging others, for how they live, for how they talk, for how they sound, for how they smell sometimes, <laughs> let's be real. And in Matthew 7, in verses 1 to 2, Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I think it's safe to say that in our society, in our, in our culture, in Perth, Western Australia at least, there is a general belief that Christians in the church have come off as judgmental people because we've got nicknames, we've got Bible bashes, you know, we've had, you know, people believing that the church projects their moral standard on other people to make them feel worse for their lives or, you know, there's people who have been hurt or offended or are holding a, a grudge against maybe a Christian has hurt them in the way that they've spoken to them or treated to them, they've harbored that as a feeling of condemnation or judgment that they've then felt is a representation of the whole church or every Christian and, You know, John Tyson, I mentioned him before, he's an incredible lead pastor of the Church of the City in New York, and he had a, in one of his messages, he says, people basically think, here's the gospel, there's an angry God who created a religious system to oppress people, and he brought fun police into being called pastors and ministers, and they're there to put an oppressive morality to wreck people's lives, so go tell the world the good news. (laughs) It's an incredible quote. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be set apart. Even Pastor Nicole said that before. We're called to live holy, to live righteous above reproach. We are called to be not of the world, not in the world, sorry, not of the world, but in the world. You know, we're not called to conform to the pattern of this world, but to live set apart as holy people of God, to live at a higher spiritual and moral standard. But we're also called to love like Jesus. And then we're also called to have grace like Jesus. We're also called to be his ambassadors to represent who he is, his love, his life, his grace on this earth to the people around us and in our relationships into the people around us. And not just on the surface of who we are, not just a fake sense of who Jesus is, but we need his love and his life and his grace and everything about who Jesus Jesus is deeply entrenched into who we are, intertwined into the fabric of our DNA. We need to fully have his life transform us from the inside out so that we can represent and shine that to other people in our different relationships. And he continues, Jesus continues in chapter 7, verse 3, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? In verse 4, he says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? And it's easy to sit back with nothing to lose and point out the specks in other people's eyes. I can point out the specs in my wife's eyes even easier because she's not here. (laughs) So that's great. But she can point out even more in mine. Typically when I leave my wet towel on the bed or I've been on the toilet for too long or (laughs) the classic husband moves. Wait, is it just me? Okay. But I often hear about those specs when I've done them. But this brings me to my first point. We've got to see past the specs. We've got to see past the specs because we currently live in a cancel culture world. We live in a world where it's encouraged and almost considered heroic in some settings to actually give heightened attention to the specks of other people around us and condemn them and judge them for it. And we are quick to outrage, but we are slow to grace. We are quick to outrage and slow the grace. We find it easier to find flaws than we do to find strengths in other people. And pointing out the specs can actually feel good for a moment as we do it, because as we judge other people, we actually make ourselves feel bigger. We almost make ourselves feel righteous and holy, which is so funny because it's just the opposite of what holiness really is. And we can make other people feel small as we make ourselves feel bigger, and it makes us feel powerful. And I'm not even just talking about the internet right now, or social justice warriors or anything like that. I'm talking about in our friendships, in our marriages, in the way that we treat our spouse when they do things wrong in the way that we treat our children or talk to our children, the way that we choose to talk to the people above us that we should be giving honor to, but instead we choose to cut them down for every mistake that they can make. How quickly can we point out the problems in other people before we put on their shoes? And as Aussies, we can be naturally pretty good at this anyway, the tall poppy syndrome. We're pretty good at cutting people down to size, you know, but we're not called to carry that with us. You know, the world has a a critical and a cynical culture about it and a judgmental culture, but we're not bringing that with us. As followers of Jesus, that's not the culture that we're going to bring. We're not carrying that into our marriages. We're not carrying that into our friendships or into our workplace. We're not going to go to work tomorrow and then just start cutting people down to size for any little, you know, email typo that they make or whatever else it is. Maybe there's someone at your workplace that grinds your gears. We're not going to go to work tomorrow and then just talk smack about them to everyone else that's in the office because that's not the culture that we're carried to bring. Am I right? We're called to bring a spirit of celebration, a spirit of encouragement, a spirit of life that we can actually combat that spirit of criticism and judgment that is in the world around us with that spirit of celebration as we choose to lift people up, not push them down, as we choose to build people up, not break them in in their brokenness or in their mistakes. And maybe judging people is a weakness for you. It is for me. I'll be honest. It's a, it's, a, it's a weakness for me. We all have weak points. It's okay. And maybe you find it hard to resist pointing out the speck in other people's eyes. Maybe it comes like it's intuition or instinct before you can even control it. It just comes out like, like that. And maybe you just work with someone again. Maybe you work with someone who has a bad attitude and that grinds your gears and you can't handle it. Maybe you, you know, your kids don't listen to you the way that you want them to listen to you. My kid is one and he doesn't listen to me the way I want him to listen to me. That's all right. He's one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're doing a group assignment. Maybe you're in uni or in school. You're doing a group assignment and there's someone who just doesn't pull their weight and they just expect everyone else to do it for you, or for them. Maybe your husband chews too loud at the table. I've, apparently, that's a point of contention. Uh, I wasn't aware, but I had to ask my wife about it. Um, and I'm not a, a loud chewer. I've discovered I'm a good chewer. Come on. <laughs> when we have those thoughts, when we have those thoughts, when we feel that motive of judgment come on us in our thoughts, when we, when we feel that, that I just want to point that speck out, that's the time to pray. That's the time to bring it to prayer. Let's start praying about it. Let's start praying about it. Let's not stew on it. Let's not let it fester in our minds. Let's not build it up over weeks and weeks until we become a jerk. But let's start praying about it. Let's start bringing it to God as we have that moment of judgment. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we can pray prayers saying, God, I am weak when it comes to judging other people. I am weak when it comes to Linda at work. I don't know if there's anyone here called Linda. I just, just the name came to my head. I don't want to live like that. But God, I don't want to live with a critical or a cynical culture about me or spirit about me. I don't want to live with with a spirit of condemnation. I don't want to bring that to my relationships. And I am weak in that space. But God, I pray, would you come and empower me by your Holy Spirit to bring strength, to bring life, to bring a spirit of celebration over a spirit of condemnation? And would you help me to see others how you see others? Would you help me to love others how you love others? Would you help me to see past the speck in other people, see past the things that make me upset and see the God given goodness that you have actually put into them and bless them as you've called me to as a representative of who you are. Jesus, come and empower me in my weakness today. We can pray those prayers and actually receive strength in our inner being as he gives you power to overcome those feelings of judgment and criticism. Does that make sense? Is that good? Yeah. So we've got to see past the specks in others and celebrate the good in people. And I want you to challenge yourself right now where you're sitting. Just think to yourself, think of someone really annoying, that you have to deal with. Don't look at your husband or your wife. (laughs) Think of someone really annoying that you have to deal with. What are good things about them that you like? And if you think about it and you go, there's nothing, pray again, go again. There is, there's something. there's, There's never a dead end. But as you keep praying and keep surrendering and allowing God to transform you, that speck might not change, but you will. As you allow God into your world, the person might not change, but you will. The way that you see them will change. The way that you can bring life will change. Your patience and your tolerance and your forbearance will change. It's gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, you will be able to help um, bless that person. And God will continue as you open yourself up to Him. He will empower you to see past it. And as you choose a spirit of celebration over a spirit of judgment, you have that choice. Are you going to choose a spirit of judgment today? Or are you going to choose a spirit of celebration? Come on. And when we look to Jesus, He time and time again is meeting people where they are. He's not choosing a spirit of judgment, but He comes to meet them where they are. And they're often the people with the biggest specs. He knows it, everyone can see it. He's often going after those people. And Pastor Craig Rochelle is the lead pastor of a church in America called Life Church. And they actually made and they, they run the UVersion Bible app. It's probably the, you probably have it on your phone today. He posted on Instagram last week. Uh, one of those swipe three posts. And the first part of it, it said, why did simple, uh, sinful people want to be around Jesus? And then you swipe through and it says, Jesus didn't make them feel wrong, Jesus made them feel loved. And I want to be like Jesus. I want Jesus to have the effect on me that makes me more like Jesus. You know, I don't want people to feel judged by me. I don't want people to feel put down by me or criticized by me or like I'm so much bigger than them. I want people to feel loved by God. I want people to know that God loves them, that Jesus loves them. I want people to experience the hope of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the grace of Jesus, which takes me to our second point, which is a pretty important factor for this whole thing, is that we need to recognize our planks. Because other people have specks, but we also have planks in our eyes. And again, Jesus continues, and we'll go back to verse 4. He says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the plank from your brother's eye. We actually need to lay down our pride and humble ourselves to recognize the planks that are in our own eyes. And it's so much easier to look out than it is to look in and it's easier to point out the specs and the problems of other people than it is to actually have to confront our own issues and confront the problems that we've got going on because sometimes we just don't know how to fix them. It's easier to fix other people's things from a distance, but sometimes it's so much harder to confront what's going on inside of us. But we need to come to God, open, in surrender, recognizing that we do have planks, God. I do have, a we- I do have weakness, God. That, you know, I, I, I do need you, God. I, we need to come to God open and surrendered in humility. And in humility, God can come and empower you and fill you and help you recognize what those planks are because maybe you don't know what those planks are right now. Maybe you know there's some feelings that you have that don't feel right or don't sit right with you, but you don't know what the root of that cause is. But Jesus can actually bring that to the surface. Holy Spirit, as He comes to search you in those Psalm 139 prayers, God, would you come and search my heart and search my mind, test my anxious thoughts and my offensive ways, He can bring life and conviction and light to your heart and to the inner being of your person to to actually reveal what are those planks in your world that you need to actually confront and deal with so that you can help see with better better clarity to help other people and bless other people. And Jesus modeled humility. Jesus modeled humility. In Philippians 2, Jesus humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. He didn't have to. But Jesus humbled himself. He modelled that humility in Luke 14, 11, He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And humility is actually admitting to ourselves that we aren't perfect. Sometimes we need to do that. We need to take a step back and just go, you know what? I'm broken too. I'm not perfect either, you know? You know, it's admitting to ourselves that we aren't perfect and we do have planks and a lot to learn and we can learn from Jesus. And humility actually helps people hear you. This is a pro-marriage tip. Humility will actually help people hear you. If you need to talk to your spouse about a speck that's in their eye and you think it's actually a speck that needs some correction, some gentle correction, husbands, wives, some gentle correction and some love and grace in there, but... You know, maybe, maybe they've got a speck that you feel actually needs changing or maybe you're carrying an offence or a hurt from someone else, a friend that's said something to you or acted in a way that's made you feel hurt or made you feel, you know, disrespected or whatever you need to do. Coming at that with pride or with anger or with a spirit of judgment or a judgmental attitude will just never work out well. It's not going to bring a peaceful resolution when you come at something with anger or pride because you feel that you've been hurt or, or that that needs to be changed. But presenting ourselves in humility, presenting ourselves in humility can actually disarm the tension and allow for God's healing and peace to come and bring reconciliation to our relationships and bring healing to our relationships and life to our relationships and freedom into our relationships as well. Does that make, is that good? Because humility... Humility is looking in before looking out and allowing Jesus' love and grace to be the filter through which we see others. Humility. We need humility. We need to get humble. And as as we let Jesus in, he brings the healing. He brings conviction. He brings grace and transformation through the renewing of our minds, but only as we can humble ourselves to let him in. You know, he doesn't look in as well to judge you. Maybe that's a, a fear you have that God's going to see something. He knows what's going on inside of you. He doesn't look in to judge us. He, we, when we let Jesus in, it's not about you know, come and, you know, give me your worst. He doesn't come. There is no condemnation in Christ. That's Romans 8 but He can come to bring freedom and healing and peace and grace and life and transformation, power, resurrection power in your world so that you can step slightly every day more and more like Jesus and become the representatives, the ambassadors that He's called us to be, not to be judging other people, but to be loving other people. And that's the the grace and the freedom He wants for your life. And we're going to take a moment to pray right now just to wrap up. But why don't you just close your eyes, just because I want, you, I want us to have a, a, a moment, an exchange type of moment with God. And it's not about the people around us, but it's about purely between you and God. And what do you need to bring before God right now? You know, is there a person in your world where you struggle to see past the specs? Is there a marriage issue you have where you struggle to see past the, the problem? Is there... A speck in your spouse that, you, that frustrates you? Is there a cynical attitude in you? Are you quick to criticize or quick to judge others? Are you quick to gossip? You know, what are the planks that you're bringing in surrender to Jesus right now? You know, you might know what they are and you might need help with them. You might be praying, God, would you come and empower me in this weakness? Or maybe you don't know what they are and you're saying, Holy Spirit, would you search my heart, search my mind, every anxious thought, every offensive way? Would you come and investigate every part of my inner being and help me understand and recognize what are those planks? Maybe there's some planks in your world that have actually been pushed under pride and you feel like you can maybe keep them from God a bit because it's easier just to not deal with them. Let God in today because He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring grace. He wants to help you see with fresh clarity so that you can see the other people through that lens of His love and His grace so that you can shepherd other people and bring life to other people. And So let's pray. God, we come before you today and we just ask, would you help us to be people of humility? Would you help us to be humble like you are? Would you help us to model humility into our relationships around us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, would you come and search us? Would you search our our anxious thoughts, our offensive ways, our judgmental attitudes? Would you search every plank? Would you lift up every piece of pride in our world? Would you help us to humble ourselves and open ourselves and surrender to you daily, mighty God, that you could bring transformation life into us, into our hearts and minds? We surrender to you every hurt, every judgment, every attitude, every uh, thing that we have been ignoring or not bringing to you, God. We surrender to you right now. And we pray, mighty God, would you come and bring freedom from it? Would you come and bring grace? Would you come and bring power? And would you come and transform the way that only you can transform? We thank you for your peace. And God, we want to be people that represent your love and your grace in this world. We want to represent who you are, Jesus. And so come and empower us again by your Holy Spirit to be the church that you've called us to be, to have an impact in this community, to have an impact in our relationships, to have an impact in our workplaces, to represent who you are and to bring the kindness and the life and the encouragement that you bring and help us to see people through the lens of your mercy and carry that into all of our relationships in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.